Welcome, Cat Fam and friends of Crusader Athletics. I'm Ryan Gasser. On Season 2, Episode 5 of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast, we open with our AD update from Dixie Jeffers. And Coach has some great news for us across multiple sports. That and Coach shares what she is thankful for this Thanksgiving season. We then go a little off-brand with our program update and feature piece. We sit down with assistant baseball coach Jason Sturgill for a two-part interview. In part one, we talk some ball as the Crusaders wrap up the fall non-traditional season. Then after the break, Coach Sturgill shares a piece of his combat experience serving our country in the U.S. Army, plus a look into his mental coaching side business. We wrap it all up with our alumni spotlight. We stay on the gridiron and catch up with one of the best wide receivers for cap football of the 90s from the class of 1998, Shane Fouch. Time to air it out on this episode of Forward Capital Crusaders. All right, here we go, folks. Another edition of the AD Update on Forward Capital Crusaders. And it seems like another record keeps on spinning. We talk about the same things, but you know that you want to hear what Dixie Jeffers has to say. So let's go down the checklist. Coach Jeffers, first and foremost, thanks for joining us. And of course, we are now in the middle of flu season. The COVID pandemic is certainly rising here in Franklin County and all throughout the entire state of Ohio. So give us an update as far as the countermeasures that Capital and Capital Athletics are putting into place to counter what's going on out there? Well, we just recently have been asked by our institution to pause all athletics right now. And I concur that we need to, to pause. We've had uh, several increased positive tests and so forth. And some of it's our own fault, some of it's not. I mean, we, you can't keep people from coming to your campus and so forth. And we expected this. We just didn't expect it to be going as crazy as it is right now in Franklin County. And, and frankly, uh, in the state of Ohio and nationally as well. Um, same thing, mask up, wash your hands, social distance, no more than 10 people. Um, we've had to go back to phase one if we were going to do something, but like I said, we're down now, so if kids wanna come in and shoot while they're still here on campus, that's fine. But uh, it, it's time for us all to go home and be with our families and to go a little bit of a shutdown here get some board games out and enjoy one another and, and try to get this thing under control so we can move forward to winter sports. Well, it's time to get creative, to have your social interactions that we also need and crave. But for those athletes, uh, whether this is a message to them or just even to upcoming recruits, what are we asking them to do so that they can continue to train, stay sh in shape so that when and if we do come back, uh, you know, they're ready. What can they do? You know, that, that's the $10 question because if we keep the CAP Center open, they've got some place to train, but we're not gonna be able to because the OAC presence has said we all gotta shut down at the same time. But if they return after Thanksgiving, we will be open to let them come in and run, to let them come in and lift and so forth. Um, we're gonna to stay to that. We're just not gonna have teams come in and do that. But, um, you know, I wish I knew the answers of what we can do. Uh, it's very difficult, but then you send them home, then do you want them in a gym training? That's going to be a parental decision with, with their, with their um, son or daughter. Um, obviously, the kids are wanting to train because right now we're scheduled to come back December 26th. And as a coach, I would like to have them in somewhat of shape. So our kids are going to have to figure it out because the weather's getting cold. And um, they've taken some chances on campus, so maybe they'll take a chance in a gym. Well, and if anything else, go watch the movie Rocky IV. It can be done in a frozen tundra. It can be done. <laughs> Somehow, they're not making millions like Rocky did, so I don't know. <laughs> you're right, but I find that very humorous, but I needed to laugh today, so thank you. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> so, Coach, some other big news, uh, and we'll even talk to just we'll keep with the winter. We come back to, you know, what is our update with winter sports? We're thinking basketball primarily, but for across the board winter, what's the latest that you have for us? I can speak to basketball right now because that seems to where we're stuck right now in the OAC. But we have we have decided that we're going to go back-to-back Friday-Saturday uh, Friday, games. Um, men and women will be at the opposite sites. We'll use the same officials, and uh, we're probably going to have to load up another official in case we have an official get sick. Or we have two officials get sick and so forth so now what we're doing is we're working on protocol what does that look when the student athlete bus pulls into capital university how are we going to use the locker rooms where are the chalk talks going to be so we're really breaking down logistics logistics 
in a much deeper sense right now, which is encouraging that we're still moving forward and, and thinking that we're going to go off January 22nd. That is breaking news. That's fantastic news. So can you speak to maybe what led to playing games on a Friday, Saturday type format? It's the exposures. It, uh, it's not ideal, but we're trying to mimic some type of a bubble. And we feel from Dr. Hanlein from the NCAA has strongly suggested D1 is going like a Thursday, Saturday. And so you, you don't want to stay in the overnight hotels in the OAC. So we went a Friday, Saturday. It's going to be a, a bit different. Uh, the mindset, everything, uh, down to the point of how far we spaced out and where they sit during the game and the mask when they're on. And it just, uh, there's a lot of logistics to, to work out, but we're in the process of doing it. just came off of a, of a Zoom where we're starting to put the bullet points together and I'm on that, that committee where we're starting to put things together and starting to break it down exactly how it's going to look with our medical teams. So, of course, everybody out there wants to know, are they going to be able to come to the Cap Center and watch home games? Are fans going to be allowed? Do we know yet? That is started, discussion started last Wednesday. Uh, there's a lot of mixed emotions um, from every campus within the, the OAC right now. Um, I'm pushing for our senior parents and the parents of uh, the opponents to be in there. But there's just a lot of things to work out. And some, you, some gyms can handle it, some gyms can't, what's being required of us. But I, we're all going to land on the same theme, and we're all going to look alike, I can tell you that. So I know that things are probably being processed out there, and everybody's looking at high school sports as kind of, well, why can't we just do what's happening in high school? So what is the response to that as far as why it is so different from what is happening out there in high school to what is happening at our level? Well, there, there's a lot of differences, and one of the biggest differences is that mom and dad can keep a hold of their, their son or daughter a little bit better than what we can. And uh, the surveillance testing people think is working, and I'm not convinced that it is. I just think that uh, we're moving, and this is one of the reasons why I think we're so high, is that we're not testing there, but that doesn't mean we don't have symptoms, and that doesn't mean that we don't have COVID cases. Uh, it's interesting that I can use different schools, and I won't say the school's names, but after football was over, suddenly 25 kids were out on that Monday. Well, there's a reason why. And everybody was just sucking it up and so forth. But they, they can come home, mom and dad can have a little bit more um, constraints on their son or daughter. Here, the freedom of movement is much greater. Uh, like I said, a lot of our, our, our COVID tests this past weekend weren't from our own students here. It was from other students coming from nearby universities that visited us that were positive that we've traced it back to um, kids are kids they all have friends and they all want to spend time with one another and we're just not made this way and at no fault of theirs I, I think they tried within the last three weeks I don't know if they knew because they was going home for Thanksgiving or what but boy have we gotten a little crazy a little bit just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> We're talking with uh, interim director of athletics and recreation, Dixie Jeffers, and also head coach of the women's basketball team. And so, Coach, uh, one of the big things that's happening on campus right now, we alluded to it in our last episode, that there is a search for a new head football coach uh, without giving up too much because we are in the middle of that process. What can you tell us about where we are and maybe where we're going with that search? I'm excited. I'm excited for our, our current football players. I'm excited for future Crusader players coming in here and I'm excited for the next football coach, um, whomever that is. Uh, we're hard reviewing right now and getting to the nitty gritty of where we need to be and moving this search as fast as we can move it and hopefully by the next time we speak in a few weeks we'll have ourselves a new football coach. That's what we call in the industry a tease. <laughs> <laughs> I am politically correct most of the time. <laughs> Fair enough. And so the next time we speak, hopefully we'll be talking about that candidate that will be back on I campus. I hope that uh, you're interviewing the new head coach. All right. Very good. Excellent. Uh, the last thing, Coach, that we will ask of you is it is clearly Thanksgiving week. This is a time where the holidays are kicking into high gear. So naturally, we must ask you, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for the staff. I'm thankful for the adversity that they've had to go through. I'm even more thankful for the resilience of our student-athletes. Um, 
you know, we've had a lot of, of kids that, that have tested positive, but man, did they give it a good fight. And this thing is bigger than all of us, and we knew it, that it was going to be difficult to deal with, but they've been resilient. Um, it's just a really difficult time, and we're all dealing with adversity, and I think that the message of the day is be thankful for everything that we have before us. Be thankful that uh, maybe some of us haven't lost loved ones when others have, and be thankful that we've got an opportunity to live in a country like this that we're being able to get a vaccine here fairly soon. Fantastic thoughts to leave by. And of course, we'll keep on going with things to be thankful for with our next guest, Jason Sturgill of the baseball team. But coach, thank you so much for the update. There's some really good news in there. So if you missed it, go back and listen to it again. And then we'll have more announcements as it comes up on athletics.capital.edu. Thanks, Ryan. We're trying to find any good news that we can find right now. And uh, safe safe being to everyone and please keep your kids inside so they can come back to capital healthy and well so we can get this thing going absolutely we're talking with ad and head women's basketball coach dixie jeffers as we keep on moving along in our alumni or excuse me our coach spotlight with jason sturgill of the capital baseball team Welcome, everybody, to our next segment on this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. And we go a little bit off the beaten path this time. We usually talk with a head coach to get some insight on one of our programs in the athletic department. But this time, we're going to do a little bit of a two-parter, and we're going to go to an assistant coach on staff. We're going to focus on capital baseball today, but instead of talking with head coach Ryan Grice, we're pleased to bring in assistant baseball coach Jason Sturgill into the program and talk with us first in baseball. And then later on, we're going to talk about his service with the United States Army since we're fresh off of the Veteran Day holiday. So, Coach, thanks first and foremost for joining us. I know that we don't get to talk a ton, um, even though we're located right across the hall from one another, but we're glad to bring you back in. So for those that don't know, Give us a little bit about your personal background in the sport of baseball. Well, um, Ryan, I, I really appreciate it. Um, baseball, you know, just like every other coach, played through high school, uh, went to college to play baseball, uh, and uh, had some injuries. Um, actually, my rotator cuff and my elbow. So I was done within, you know, really done within a year. And uh, come to that point to where I wanted to be a coach. And um, so I've been coaching players on teams. I've been coaching players independently for over 25 years. So um, that's kind of my background uh, with, uh, with baseball. So talk about where you come from. You know, where do you call home and what college did you go to to kind of get you back on this path of coaching? Yeah, uh, I'm originally from Kentucky, from eastern Kentucky, a small town called Louisa, Kentucky. Uh, it's about 2,000 people. Um, Actually, out of high school, I went uh, to play baseball and basketball in AIA um, in a, a small um, Pippa Passes, Kentucky. Then uh, after the injuries and things like that, I ended up graduating with my undergrad from Moorhead State University. Then um, where I'm from, um, there's not very many jobs. So uh, I came to the Columbus area, Newark, Ohio area, and that's where I'm at. Talk about your playing career. Obviously, it ended a little bit prematurely, and I'm going to assume because it's rotator cuff, you had to be a pitcher. But talk about yeah. what you played and, and where you or how you navigated your playing career to get to where you were um, as a college athlete. Yes, I, I pretty much went uh, to college to pitch, but I also could swing the bat pretty well. So I did play uh, some uh, first base as a left-hander and some outfield. There's only really three positions you can play baseball when you're a left-hander. So uh, I did those, and um, then pretty much after the injury, um, everything was was going really bad. So I just concentrated more on getting, you know, working with youth and uh, becoming a baseball coach. And you could apparently shoot the rock a little bit too, since you I could, were... <laughs> I could, I could, I could. I was a, uh, I was more. I mean, you know, I'm a six-two point guard, so I'm six-three now, but I'm six was six-two and could handle the rock pretty well. All right, very good. So, well, we're glad to have you on board as a member of the staff. You're now in your third year now, and it seems like it was yesterday you joined us for the first time, but you're well integrated into Capital Baseball. So let's start talking about the purple and the white. Uh, sounds where, good. Where, where did you, or where do you think that things have progressed this fall ball? Uh, you know, what have we seen in, in, through the fall ball and off-season workouts? 
Yeah, well, you know, as the, you know, with the COVID, everything are, I mean, we can never really get into any um, consistent schedule with our guys. Uh, so we, uh, a lot of our guys uh, put upon themselves what they could do on their own. But, um, you know, one thing we really harped on was, you know, uh, being consistent with what you're doing. And um, so it wasn't, it wasn't ideal, but we went ahead and made, we did as good as we could do. So we had some guys really step it up. So talk about, you know, specific areas. I mean, you, you, we couldn't get into a groove, uh, and I understand that. We, I think we all understand that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what are some of the focal points that you were really hoping to get, you know, to work on with the guys this fall? Well, we had, you know, we brought in a, pre, a really good, a really good um, freshman class. We wanted to see what they had to offer and everything like that. So the only time we could ever be with our players was down at the field. So, you know, we couldn't use the cap center for things that we wanted to, too. So one of the things that we really focused on with our guys was more about, you know, sacrifice. Uh, we talked about commitment, discipline, unselfishness, and um, intent. So what, every time we were down at the field, we told our guys, we don't know if we're going to be here next week. We don't know if we're going to be here for practice in a couple of days. So let's make everyth- everything today is like you're playing your last game. So, um, or last practice. So that was that was kind of the intent of practices. We're talking with assistant baseball coach Jason Sturgill. And coach, for the freshman class, and this can probably be said of most any sport, you know, especially those that play in the spring, you know, they may not have had a very uh, ceremonious ending to their high school careers, mm-hmm. and then they come into college, and it's kind of more of the same as far as, you know, just going week to week, figuring it out. So how do you keep the freshman class engaged, interested, and, and wanting to come back for more with all the question marks? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a very hard job to do that, and, you know, we want to be as transparent as, as we can because a lot of our freshmen, you know, uh, this this upcoming season came in, living by themselves in dorms. They didn't have a roommate just because of COVID issues. So one thing that we have with our culture within Capital Baseball is uh, our Spartan Warrior way that we call it, is our boat crew leaders. Um, and a lot of our leaders actually stepped up and, and got to meet with the players as much as possible. So our senior leadership and junior leadership really stepped it up for helping with the younger guys. You know, you mentioned that. I got to wonder, and maybe I should ask one of them, isolating in your room, getting a room by yourself. That's almost like a gift, isn't it? (laughs) You don't have to go through the trials and tribulations of having a roommate. Yeah, it it is. But, you know, I've talked to a lot of them personally, and and they, they were in a new environment, new situation, and they just needed somebody to kind of rely on. And we, since we didn't have practices or anything like that consistent, um, a lot of these guys were, were alone. So I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of stuff affected that. Well, let's talk about that freshman class just a little bit more. I mean, we, we are still navigating, you know, making that final roster and getting them integrated. So who is standing out and maybe what are, you know, they doing as a class very well or maybe a few individuals doing well? Yeah, I think the freshman class uh, with, you know, not the time that we needed to evaluate them. I think they really did step up. Uh, they started to buy into our culture. Um, we saw some really good, um, you know, uh, we have some really good pitchers coming in as freshmen and also position players too. So, but really to talk about just one, it, it, it's really hard because we didn't get to see as much as we wanted to. But uh, one, one that I do want to talk about is uh, we have a graduate transfer um, from, I believe, Penn State Altoona. He's actually in, in law school for his first year. So uh, he has his fifth year. He's playing with us, um, Chase Clouser. He really stepped it up and really bought in and uh, to our program. So Now you kind of make a great segue into talking about some of those older guys, albeit these ones are going to be returning. So of the returners that you've seen come back, who has elevated their game a little bit in this offseason? Well, I think all of our uh, boat crew leaders, uh, they're leaders as leadership, but they're also leaders on the field. Um, what I really want to talk about is really Cole uh, Callahan, our starting uh, center fielder. He's pretty much been a leader since, a uh, boat crew leader, 
on the field and off the field since his sophomore year. He's really stepped it up um, on both. Kurt Maxwell, who's a junior, really stepped it up on the field and also uh, in the leadership role. Um, but our boat crew leaders, we, knew we got Scotty Gutstein, who's going to probably be our number one or number two. We've got um, Kyle Armbrecht. We've got uh, Ryan Henney, um, Brandon Barnett, who's our catcher, um, and um, Heidecker, who's our, who's our left-handed pitcher. They have all stepped it up um, with what we can see. Now, it's going to be interesting. We've talked about COVID, but now it's the holiday season, and the guys are going to be breaking, going back home, and, and very likely probably staying home until the beginning of next semester. So what are you having the guys take with them to work on so that when they come back, they're ready? Exactly. What we've done uh, as a coaching staff, we've sent them our lifting program for them. Uh, we, we've also sent a uh, throwing program for pitchers and also for uh, position players. A matter of fact, we just had a Zoom last night with all of our players. And, uh, you know, with the COVID issues and stuff, gyms and things like that, we just told our guys, you got to find a way to get better. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing we've done with our guys is um, we want to make sure that they stay safe, but they also be able to get their training in as well. Are there any things, places, we're trying to salvage any way possible to get as close to a baseball field as possible that they can use, uh, you know, resources, facilities? What, what can a baseball player, regardless whether they're at Capitol or not, do to stay fresh this holiday season? Well, a lot, a lot of our guys, too, have really good relationships with their high school coaches or their, um, their travel teams. In Ohio, a lot of the travel teams have their own facilities, so they'll go in there. Um, and things like that. So um, I know a lot of our guys may live close together. They'll, you know, they'll work out with each other, uh, either um, you know, tossing or or hitting. So um, the biggest thing is you just got to find a way to to get better. Well, and with any luck, we'll be seeing another 55-degree Christmas day, so maybe some decent weather to get yeah. back out there. Yeah. We're talking with assistant baseball coach Jason Sturgill. And, Coach, you've been with us now for three years, mostly volunteering. But what what has kept you you know, wanting to come back and keep on being a, a leader of men with capital baseball? Uh, I would have to say it's the players. I've built a really good bond with the players. And uh, my job is to uh, not only for them to make them better baseball players, but to, to make them better men. Um, I want to be able, we want as a staff and myself, we want to get them ready for the next 40 years after their uh, four years with us. So it has to be the players. Now, when you mentioned earlier that after your injury to your rotator cuff, it kind of led you to coaching, you know, what was the moment that it really clicked that this is where you want to transition into? Uh, it really clicked with with seeing uh, players or, or, or young men succeeding. And, you know, they really kind of bought into what I was talking about. And uh, so th that's probably it, I would say. And when you look back on guys that you've coached, can you talk about any that, you know, maybe have made it to some higher places that you'd like to I'll, – I'll even let you brag on yourself a little bit. Yeah, brag right. on the young men that made it. <laughs> so I, I've had about 23 that uh, ever since I've been working with went to – College, you have a couple who uh, went into uh, the minor leagues, things like that. Uh, it was everywhere from position players to pitchers to just DHs. So, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing is these guys coming back to me five, ten years later and saying, hey, you know, you, did, you helped me a lot on the baseball field, but you helped me even more when it comes to how to act as a, a man. So, Coach, let's even just – Go down memory lane just a hot second and talk about your baseball career because I'm very interested. Left-handed pitcher, you could probably sling it a little bit. Mm -hmm. What was your MO as far as being on the mound? Uh, I was actually a uh, a starter. Um, you know, I throw anywhere between five to six uh, innings in college uh, when I did play. Um, so I, I mean, I threw probably 88 to 89 as a lefty, but you know, looking back in the 80s and early 90s. You know, there were guys throwing 95 to 100 as a lefty. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, and being from a small town, I, I didn't get a lot of, uh, in a small college, I didn't get a lot of press. There was no travel ball. There was no internet, all that. So um, I'm very happy how it ended. Uh, it, it worked out, and 
I just go every day. Okay, what was your arsenal? What what was your arsenal of pitches that you threw? I threw a four seam and a two seam. My two seam was best. I threw a um, a curveball, um, more of a slurve, and I threw a, a really good changeup. My changeup was probably my best pitch. I think, for my opinion, even now, I think the changeup is the best pitch in baseball. Now you're getting into the sliders, things like that. Um, but I started, at the very end, I started developing a sinker, which was really, really good. So then the injuries and all that stopped. So. Okay. Well, you also said that you can, you know, swing the bat a little bit too. So if you were, uh, what kind of a hitter were you, or did you have a, have a preference as far as you know what kind of count you like to hit out of? Were you power contact? I was more of a contact hitter. I always batted. You know, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I don't ever remember ever hitting under uh, four hundred. I hit, I could hit very well to all all uh, parts of the field. Uh, I was more of a batting average guy, not very much power. But I did hit a lot of doubles in the gaps, things like that. So um, I wish that, you know, my thought at first when I got hurt, I thought I could still play the field or, you know, at least play first base. There's not that, really that much throwing. But it just got, then it got into the elbow and, and I just couldn't get extended. So um, I loved, uh, I was more of a, you know, first through third, get a lot of lead off because I, I had speed. Uh, so um, it was all good. Now, do you get to get into a batting cage anytime soon, or are those days even long gone? Or <laughs> yeah, those days are kind of long gone with all the, you know, with all the scar tissue and uh, all the injuries too from baseball and, you know, basketball and football in high school and the military. It's kind of really, uh, I'm really limited on what I could do. Now, when you're talking about your uh, your contributions here to Capital Baseball, where do you find yourself working with what position group the most? Uh, position group the most is probably the outfield and first base, but I'm really diving into a lot of um, the uh, pitching as well. I really um, kind of help trying to help out as many left-hander pitchers as I can, just because I have a lot of base. But but I've been a pitching coach for 25 years too. So um, but I really like working with the outfield, and and now this season I'm working a lot with the. Uh, with the uh, first baseman and some of the pitching. All right, we've been talking with Coach Sturgill, and this is part one of our interview today. We've been talking a little bit of baseball, and now we're going to talk a little bit about that military service and more what you're doing outside of Capital Baseball here coming up after the break. So stay tuned, and we'll bring back Coach Sturgill for part two of this segment of Forward Capital Crusader podcast. We've reached the halfway point in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Now's your chance to hit pause and head to the locker room if you need a huff. Just don't sub us out. If you're going to do any kind of subbing, make sure that you subscribe to the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast on whichever app you're listening to so you never miss an episode. And leave us a comment and a rating while you're at it. Please and thank you. It's now time for second half action of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. Welcome back after that short break. We're here with assistant baseball coach Jason Sturgill as we continue in what is a very uh, non-traditional segment here in Forward Capital Crusaders. Usually we talk to head coaches. Usually we bounce around between certain things, but we thought we'd just cram it all in one here with Coach Sturgill and knock it all out with one fail swoop. We talked a little bit of Capital Baseball. Now we're going to talk about something else with Coach Sturgill that has definitely led to how he is today as well as just the man that he is as well as the coach. So, Coach, you uh, are a very proud veteran of the United States Army. So, Take us back in time. I know that you went to college and you played some ball before getting hurt, but then came the military. How did that all come to be? Uh, the military was, uh, uh, it's more of a family thing. Um, my grandfather was uh, in World War II. My father was in Vietnam. And I just wanted to, uh, wanted to serve, keep on the family tradition. Um, I finished college first. Then I went into the military. I was more of a reservist uh, because I did have a um, a civilian job that I that I loved very much. But uh, that's pretty much how it's family tradition for me. Family tradition. 
Now, did they all serve your family? Did they serve in the United States Army, or did, how did you navigate choosing which branch to serve in? Oh, it was Army all the way. <laughs> uh, my grandfather and uh, also my uh, my dad was uh, Army. Not even a consideration for the other branches, huh? No, not at all. <laughs> so when you didn't uh, enlisted into the reserve program, correct? Correct. Okay, so tell us and maybe walk us through, uh, you know, we know the why, but just how that played into uh, navigating a civilian job as well as military service. Yeah, it was, uh, it's not too bad because in the reserves, you know, you meet one time a month for a couple of days, but um, in the civilian job as well, uh, it's a lot on your plate, but um the hardest part is when you get deployed because you're so used to uh, your civilian job where you have to now all become army only for a year, year and a half. So that was, uh, that was pretty hard. Now, kind of rewinding just a hot second, was this something that while you were in college that this was kind of part of the plan or you know, was this something that kind of popped up as a matter of circumstance? Uh, it was a plan uh, before I graduated. I, I, I definitely wanted to go in the Army. Um, I really, at the time, really wasn't um, really excited to go full-time Army because I worked so hard in college to get my degree, and, and I wanted to work in the civilian force, uh, everything like that. So the, the idea when I enlisted was to go into the reserves. So did you specialize in any area? I mean, you were United States Army, but did you go into any kind of specialization in your field? Yeah, uh, I actually uh, enlisted as a military police MP. Uh, the unit that I was in actually at Fort Hayes in Columbus, I don't think it's Fort Hayes anymore, but um, we were a combat support where we went in and actually um, gave perimeters and helped with the infantry and all those guys. We're talking with assistant baseball coach Jason Sturgill, kind of going back in time and talking about his military service, for which we are all very thankful for. Talk about, before we get too far in, at the beginning where military training comes in, had there been anything comparable to the military training in your life up to that point? Well, from being from a small town and, and raised on a farm, I, I mean, I always did the hunting and the fishing and stuff like that. But um, it was all um, it was all a culture shock when I went in, even though I went in at 22, 23, you know, with with other um, recruits that were coming in at 18, just out of high school. Um, I had the discipline with the sports, I had the discipline being raised, uh, my family and everything. So uh, it was it was a really good time. So. We know that, and you're pretty candid about this, that you were deployed to Afghanistan, if I'm not mistaken, and, and you saw action over there. What can you share with us, or what would you like to share with us about your experience while being deployed? Yeah, I was uh, actually, you know, I think pretty much uh, my whole life changed when with 9-11, how it changed with a lot of people, but with the service as being a reservist and being deployed, Right after 9-11, I got sent straight over to Afghanistan. Um, so our job, I actually was had the honor to work with Navy SEALs and Special Forces, um, and we actually went up in the mountains and captured the terrorist. And um, some things happened uh, there where it turned on to only be a one-day mission, it turned into three days. Uh, we got ambushed, things like that. And a lot of uh, things had to be done um, that uh, was very hard. So. so when you go back and you look at that experience, I mean, obviously there are some things that, you know, aren't so pleasant to go back and, and relive. But there are definitely some positives that you can pull out of those experiences, I'm sure. Um, what do you look back to and say, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm better or I'm glad that something like this happened in my lifetime? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest part of it while I was in and stuff was working, learning from other people. Uh, I've learned, we've learned, I've learned a lot from the Navy SEALs and Special Forces that we use in our culture today at Capitol Baseball. And I think the biggest thing are, uh, that I learned in the military was our values, uh, values that I live by today, which is loyalty, duty, respect, 
selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. And, and I live by those on a daily basis. I teach those values to my kids and also to our players. So you have taken a lot out of that experience and kind of translated into something that is actually pretty relevant uh, that you do outside of the ball field, and that's as a mental sport performance coach. Talk about that. Uh, what, what is that all about? What exactly is it? Well, I'll go a little bit back on, on how it kind of started. So with, you know, I was, I was deployed in Afghanistan. I was also deployed in 2004. I, in 2004, I was supposed to go to Iraq. Uh, but at the last minute, they changed my orders, and I got sent to Fort Riley, Kansas, to work with uh, soldiers who were getting deployed to Iraq uh, with self-defense, hand-to-hand combat, things like that. So um, those are the only two that I can talk about, really, is those two, uh, Afghanistan and Fort Riley, Kansas. I really can't get into more detail with the other ones. But um, with all that said and done in Afghanistan and things like that, um, I developed PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and um, got into a point to where when I got back, it started getting really, really bad. You know, I, I was in the mentality at that time thinking, you know what, I'm U.S. Army, I can get over it, and there's no issues, but it kept on compounding. The PTSD, the, um, the flashbacks, uh, the anxiety, the depression, all of that um, affected my family. Uh, unfortunately, um, I got a divorce, um, but I started thinking to myself is that I need to change my whole mindset. I need to reprogram my brain. And what I came to the point to, to it is that I can't control 95% of the stuff that happens. Um, I have to live in the present. People with PTSD, they always think about the past. So I started doing that, and um, I'm nowhere near as good as I could be, but it's a daily basis. And um, that's something that I help with with a lot of our players and a lot of uh, players outside of our program is working with mental skills, mental toughness. Um, with baseball, everybody says it's a, it's a game of failure. So I work with a lot of our our players and a lot of other players uh, and parents about how overcoming fear. So that's kind of pretty much how it how it uh, how it's all came about. So where you are right now is this a a you know something that you do on the side and you offer your services to those that are seeking this kind of counsel and or coaching? Is that how that works? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've actually been doing it for a couple years, uh, working with with uh, players all throughout the nation, uh, either on the phone or on a computer, helping them with that. So, um, and I do it every day with our players as well here at Capitol, but my services do go out to any, anybody that I could help when it comes, and it just, it's not just baseball, it's any sport. I've worked with gymnasts, I've worked with a couple soccer players, a couple football players, so, um, the mental toughness part of it is just not a baseball. It's it's every sport, and I talk with a lot with uh, with parents as well, and I've talked and I've helped out a lot of uh, business owners, um, things like that. I do a lot of public speaking. Um, hopefully, be able to do some more a lot more public speaking in the coming year. So, uh, and I talk you know I talk about my my story. Uh, my story is pretty unique, and um, I held that story in for 13 years did not let anybody know. Everybody knew that I was deployed to Afghanistan, but they didn't know what happened up in the mountains and, and things like that and stuff that I go through. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not as hard to talk about as it used to be. Used to be if I talked about it to my family, because I I will admit that I came to the, one of the lowest points of my life with all this, and I did, um, unfortunately attempt suicide like all a lot of veterans do I've lost a lot of friends I've lost more friends uh, from s- veteran suicide than I have from war and uh, in Afghanistan so um, when I came to that point and when the suicide failed um, it all changed and I'm coming to better to where I have to fix myself 
before I could ever work with anybody else. So it's it's been a long road, but it's been a rewarding road and a challenging road. But uh, I don't regret uh, any of it. I think, you know, I'm a Christian, and I think that the, uh, the Lord above saved my life, and it's time for me to help others. Well, we're glad that you're here, and we're glad that, you know, your experiences have led you here, yeah. as well as that uh, can be, you know, employed on, on our young men. You bring up something really interesting before I go down another road, but just the fact that you work with baseball players, other athletes, business leaders. Mm -hmm. Those are very, very different clientele. So what are the common themes that are transferable between all of these different people and organizations? Well, the thing about it is, is, you know, when people talk about mental toughness, toughness, uh, it's not only in sports. So the biggest thing why people, you know, are having issues with certain things is because it comes down to destructive beliefs that they have, and it comes down to the fear of failure. That's in the corporate world or the sports world. So um, that's why I can work with so many people because it comes down to those two things. And I developed over the years, I've developed a concept that I use with all my people. It's called the DICE, D-I-C-E program. It's because what it is is that you have to work with someone at the subconscious level. Because you have your conscious mind, your unconscious mind. You have to work with people at the subconscious mind. Uh, you know, the conscious mind is your thinking mind. And your subconscious is your beliefs. That's where everything, that's where the failure is, that's where destructive beliefs are. So if we work on those, and I come up with antidotes, like if somebody's is a fear of failure, I have our guys uh, and people I work with is, they will say, I am fearless 30 to 100 times a day, and that will eventually get into the subconscious mind to where that fear doesn't exist anymore. And um, so the, the DICE program is being determined, being de- determined on your ability to change the way you're thinking. I is informed. That's more of working with what I just called the, uh, need to know how the, the brain works, the subconscious mind works, and how the conscious mind works. And C is getting to the point to where it's called clear. We clear, we clear those obstacles. We clear that fear. And the last part is E, which is emotional mastery, where we actually, you know, the biggest problem with um, mental toughness is controlling your emotions. So um, we work with that too. So, so the DICE method that I've came up with and that I've used has really worked for me and worked for a lot of other people. So. Well, we hope that we haven't given away too many, uh, too much of a free seminar of sorts on, on the program, but we're certainly glad that you got to share that with us. And, uh, you know, anybody that's out there that's looking for similar services with Coach Sturgill, uh, you can certainly find him. You're all over Twitter, from what I understand. You've built yourself quite uh, a social yeah. media following, and it's certainly growing. So tell us how somebody might be able to get a hold of you to, you know, look at such services. Yeah, you could uh, contact me on um you can direct message me on Twitter or uh, Instagram, uh, Coach Sturgill, at Coach Sturgill. Um, they can also um, email me. My email address for uh, Capital is on our website. And they can also call me at uh, 740-877-9896. You can either give me a call or text. Well, Coach, uh, you know, we come kind of off the heels of Veterans Day, uh, which is kind of what prompted me to think that you would be a fantastic guest for this episode. Uh, when you look back at, at, you know, days like Veterans Day and holidays in which we remember those that have served, first and foremost, thank you for your service. But who, you know, would you like to remember or what would you like to share with those so that we remember those properly? Well, the, the situations that I've been in with, you know, in war and stuff, I lost a lot of um, comrades, a lot of friends. So I know for me, Veterans Day, Memorial Day is a really tough time uh, for, for me as a veteran because I'm thinking of um, the friends and comrades that I lost. So those days are very hard for me. Uh, I think at this time, you know, everybody needs to be in remembrance of the people that we lost on the battlefield and off the battlefield. 
you know, when it comes to addiction, comes to uh, suicide, things like that. So it's a hard day for, for a lot of us veterans. We appreciate the love and support that we get from everyone, but also us veterans, it's a brotherhood and we think about the people that we lost. Is there anything that we can do to, to either do it more properly, that we can remember those um, with intention, um, or in any way help? I think the thing about it is, is just, you know, for me, um, now is the Vietnam veterans. Um, probably can't go anywhere without seeing the guy wearing his Vietnam veteran hat. And I go and talk to veterans all the time from Vietnam. I talk, even though a, a few uh, World War II veterans and stuff. But, you know, if when you see those guys, somebody wearing military, um, that they were in the military, any branch, just go up and shake their hand or fist bump, tell them thank you. And, um, you know, Happy Veterans Day is, 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 is fine, but also keep in remembrance too that we're having a little tough day that day um, with Memorial Day and also for Veterans Day. So just keep that in mind, but a thank you is more than enough. All right. Well, Coach Sturgill, again, thank you for your service. Thank you for sharing your story and also sharing your services, not just out there for everybody else to have, but with our young men at Capital Baseball. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Ryan. All right. We've been talking with assistant baseball coach Sturgill. Part one was all about baseball. Part two was all about service and also life coaching. Stick around. We're going to talk with Capital alumnus Shane Fouch from the class of 1998 and some Capital football coming up next on the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. Welcome, Cap fam, to another edition of Forward Capital Crusaders, and we move into our alumni spotlight. And we're going to go back to the gridiron, and we're going to go also back in time just a tad to the mid-90s, and we have on our program today Mr. Shane Fouch from the Clash of 1998. And so, Shane, before we go down memory lane, let's get up to date with where you are currently. Where is home and what keeps you busy these days? You know what? Home is in Johnstown, Ohio, uh, just a little north here of Columbus. I've uh, been married over 20 years, got two wonderful uh, children. Uh, they keep me busy with sports. Um, you know, they're very active in athletics uh, and uh, in school. Um, and other than that um, is, is my job at Byers. Uh, I've been with Byers uh, over 22 years. I'm the general sales manager there. Um, I oversee all the sales operations for Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, Subaru, and, and used cars. So that includes hiring staff? Or are you down there on the floor actually selling? Like, what, what's your day-to-day like? You know what? I do a little bit of both. You know, um, I, I'm on the floor uh, to help manage that, uh, and obviously uh, with the change, uh, you know, uh, digitally, I spend a lot of time, um, you know, uh, online uh, uh, digital marketing. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that has to get done from meeting and greeting customers to making sure that your online presence is, is correct and make sure we're, you know, having the correct offers for the consumers. And we were talking a little bit offline here that, you know, these challenging times have actually helped you kind of learn more about how the business is changing. And just like any industry, change happens over the course of time. How have these times helped you or made you change to conform to the times that we're in? Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. I tell you, um, with these times, it actually helped streamline our business. You know, we became more efficient. Um, you know, the old school was, was you hired a bunch of people, um, you know, you weren't very efficient with the consumer. Now we've streamlined the process to make it easier for the consumer to essentially buy the car. Um, so, so in these times, it's actually helped our business. So you, like you said, you've been at Buyers Imports now for about 22 years, and you've been there since graduating at Capital. You're yeah. almost like the Tony Gwynn <laughs> or Cal Ripken Jr. of that place because you've yeah. been there and never left. So how has Buyers invested in you and helped you grow as a professional? Yeah, you know what? The Buyers family has been great to me. Uh, so I've been there a long time. I started in finance, uh, worked my way up to be a sales manager. Uh, and then now, as I said, I, op- uh, I oversee, uh, excuse me, um, you know, uh, five different buildings. Um, you know, they've been great to me. Um, they've invested in me uh, in training um, in technology. That, you know, they've given me um, anything that I've ever wanted to help me grow and, and become, you know, uh, and grow into the position I am now. 
Now, prior to coming to Capitol, you were talking that you were not originally from Central Ohio. So where are you originally from, and perhaps what uh, sports did you partake in back home? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in a small town called Sabine, Ohio. Um, it's about an hour and a half southwest of Columbus. Um, there I played uh, football, basketball, and baseball. I uh, was actually really close to, to going and playing college basketball, but decided to... Uh, to pursue capital and play college football and seem, uh, things seem to really work out. So, Now, I know that you're in sales, so my guard is up right now, so I don't walk <laughs> out of this building with a new car. But if anybody out there is in need, Shane is the guy to go to over at Buyer Airport and Buyer Airport Subaru. But you certainly can use that knowledge and skill in sales to paint the picture of what sold you yeah. into choosing capital as you went through that process. So what was it that sold you on capital as you were going through your college selection process? Well, as I just mentioned, Ryan, you know, I came from a small town, and what I liked about capital was, was that you had that small town feel and it seemed to certainly be a fit for me but in, but in saying that it, you also have the backdrop of Columbus so you get a small town feel in a big city of Columbus um, and that's kind of what you know drew me to capital because I think you were able to accomplish both things I think you were able to get the small town feel and if you wanted to step out of that small town feel you had the backdrop of Columbus Ohio we're here with Shane Fouch class of 1998 and a member of the capital football team so Shane, when you came on campus in 1994, that was like the beginning of what many would say is a great, great career as a wide receiver, and you made your first catch the following year as a sophomore. The first of 154 came against Gannon College. Do you remember that first catch and what the feeling was like making it? You know what, I don't remember the first catch as, as much as I remember the first game. I, I can tell you, um, you know, as a freshman I got here and I'll never forget testing day. I was so um, nervous about testing day. In those days when you showed up to camp, you went through all this testing. They tested your 40, they tested your bench, they tested, you know, all these things. And I remember being so nervous and I didn't test very well. So needless to say, as a freshman, I really didn't get much playing time. We come in as a sophomore and I actually going into camp was last on the depth chart, believe it or not. And by the end of camp, I became first on the depth chart. Um, and the first start was, was with uh, Gannon uh, University. And uh, so I don't remember, necessarily remember the catch, but I remember pregame. I remember walking onto the field and I remember trying to get myself ready to go because now this is going to be my, my first experience with, you know, college football. And it was a great one and a great start to a fantastic career. You've had some pretty big games against that school up to the north, uh, and you've and we did the math. 19 yeah. catches, 262 yards over three games against the Birds. How do you remember those rivalry games against Otterbein? You know what, those were great games. But one thing that sticks out uh, in my mind is just the fact that the weather, weather was always so bad. And being a wide receiver, you want good weather. Um, you know, it was always towards the end of the year. It was usually the last game. I assume it's still the last game. Um, and the weather was always bad. And I remember my senior year when I actually broke the receiving record, it was really, really cold. It was snowing that day. Um, and I never wore gloves. Um, of course, I wish I had the gloves they wear today because I don't think I would ever drop a ball. But uh, I was not a big glove guy. But that game, because it being so cold, it was actually the first game that I actually uh, wore gloves. Now, Ohio State has a nickname for that school up north. Yeah. What was the nickname for Otterbein during your playing days, if you can say that on yeah. air? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, we definitely had some t-shirts made, and I can't remember uh, exactly some of the t-shirts that we had made, but in today's standards, we probably can't say on air. But uh, um, I don't remember exactly the name that we called them. I just remember every year the, the, uh, the t-shirts um, that we had made. Now, do you have either a game or a moment that was most memorable for you? Um, I, I would say, um, um, personally, would probably be breaking the uh, receiving record at Otterbein. But, but more than that, when I think back, I, I, I remember more, instead of the, the records and the catches, I probably remember more of the team wins. I, I remember a big win at Heidelberg, which I think was in the record books for a long time as far as the amount of yards uh, in one game. I remember that game. I remember a really good game my senior year at, um, uh, I think it was... Um, Bethany University. I had 10 catches that game. We won in the, uh, we won late. Um, I remember the more of the team wins than the individual, you know, catches, I guess. Now, who was the guy throwing the rock to you? I, or yeah. guys, plural? Yeah. yeah, you know what? We had a couple great uh, quarterbacks. Um, uh, 
when I was here. Uh, first was Scott Burry, great quarterback, and then my last quarterback was Sean Wheeler. Both guys could really throw the football and really did a good job of getting me the ball downfield. We're here with Shane Fouch, class of 1998, and if you haven't picked up on it, a member of the football <laughs> team. Now, you mentioned it, and now we're going to go a little bit deeper, but you graduated with the most career catches with 154, and you were second on all-time receiving yards with 1,760 and yards per catch and single-season receiving <laughs> yards. So you had some accolades yeah. when you left here. You know, you did that time, you did it at a time, as I read the stat sheets, that Capital was not as reliant on the passing game at that point in its offensive scheme. So considering that, what do all of those accolades mean to you? Well, it's definitely a different time. I can tell you my first three years, you know, uh, it was more of a, a power eye. It was more of a power game back then. You know, you, you lined up with two wide receivers, single tight end and an eye formation really wasn't until my senior year we did open it up a little bit. We would go to three and four wide receiver sets. Um, it was definitely a different game. Uh, I was probably more of a possession guy, um, you know, uh, than probably a, a guy that would beat you a lot, you know, way down the field. Um, but it was definitely a different game. So to have that accomplishment, you know, it, it does feel good to, to know that you're still able to have those many catches in the time period that definitely is different than today's game. You mentioned those were some of the schemes that you uh, played as far as mm -hmm. the power eye. Can you mm -hmm. talk about or describe the makeup of the team, the style of the team? How, how did those teams uh, you know, resonate in your mind? Yeah, you know what? It was what I guess people nowadays would call it old school, even though I don't consider myself being old, is the fact that you know you want to play great defense. Um, you know, you want to control the time of possession. You know, you, you, you kind of ran the ball to set up the pass. You know, you would run play action, especially in my first three years at Capitol. You know, you would run that eye, and then, you know, as a wide receiver, you, you would hope you'd have success running the football because then we'd be able to run some play action. Um, and that's how I was able to get, you know, my catches my first couple of years. And as I said, and we went to a little bit more of a, uh, my senior year, a little bit more of a spread, probably not as, as you know, um, uh, as much as they throw it nowadays, but we went to a little bit more of a spread my senior year, which, you know, helped me get, um, you know, I think, um, I think 70 some catches as a senior but but definitely it was a different time and a different a different game then so now I'm going to focus in on you now <laughs> when you played did you have a wide receiver in the NFL that yeah. was playing that you likened yourself to or maybe even one that today people would yeah. resonate your style with you know what I definitely didn't have the style of this person but I tell you Jerry Rice was my idol growing up um, I, I had a magazine it's a funny story I had a magazine I would actually um, it was a Sports Illustrated magazine and on the cover was hot hands and it had a picture of Jerry Rice's in his hands and I used to actually believe it or not used to touch that before every game so I took it on the road with me um, every, every game in college I, I, I essentially would touch that uh, magazine before the game so I don't know that you know what I actually believe that I have a trading card with the hot hands okay. on it so I yeah. know exactly what yes. you're talking about yes. so yeah absolutely <laughs> now we sit up here we are recording this episode in the press box of Burnlore Stadium and yeah. as you look out onto Burnlore Stadium today it's quite different than the Burnmore Stadium that you played on. So Absolutely. for those that may not remember what it was like, yeah. kind of give us a little bit of a visual of what that playing surface was like back in the mid to late 90s. Yeah, you know what? The nickname for it was the Snake Pit. Um, <laughs> you know, what was the nickname uh, of the stadium? You know, it definitely looked uh, way different. Obviously, it was natural grass. It wasn't necessarily the best field, but... Um, um, but I liked it as a wide receiver because uh, as, as an offense, you know where you're going, the defense doesn't. So I always thought it was a little bit of an advantage. You know, the grass was a little bit, was a little bit taller, maybe it was a little bit slick, but, 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 but we really enjoyed it. As I said, it, it's way, it looked way different. Um, it was obviously not nearly as nice as the playing fields they play today. But in saying that, we kind of enjoyed it. Now, having played on grass and seeing yeah. that a majority of playing surfaces are going more towards turf, yeah. if you had to pick, would you yeah. stick with the old school grass or yeah. would you rather have had a chance to play on turf? You know what, I would actually stick old school and I know that uh, that may surprise some people, but as I said, I, I was more of a possession guy and I knew where I was going, and so I, I'm kind of old school. I, I like that that muddy, messy field. I, I like that type of a, a football game, so, so I would lean more towards, towards old school. Now, beyond Burnlore Stadium yeah. and the playing 
facilities and whatnot. Yeah. I'm sure you made a lot of memorable moments on yeah. campus or just yeah. in general while here at Capitol. Are there any memorable moments that are maybe non-athletic or away from the playing field that you remember most? Yeah, you know what? Uh, one thing is, I know it doesn't exist now, but there was a Lloyd's Gym um, that we used to be able to kind of sneak in when we weren't allowed to really be there. Um, we would go up there and, and play basketball all hours of the night. And, and it was just, you know, you would get a lot of the football uh, guys, your teammates, and we would, you know, we would sneak up there and literally play basketball all night. That's one memory that really sticks out to me. Excellent. Now we're talking with Shane Fouch, class of 1998, member of the football teams back in those days. And so now we're going to put you on the hot seat, Shane. And these are a couple short routes, if you will. And we got a couple quick hitters Absolutely. for you. So who are the favorite sports teams that you cheer for? You know what? Probably New England because of Bill Belichick. Okay. And your favorite athlete of all time, although I think I know where yep. this is going. Absolutely. Jerry Rice. All right. Favorite sports movie? Uh, would probably be For the Love of the Game and, and Hoosiers. Excellent. And it's not, a, it's not a football one. I know it. I know it. It's hard to beat Hoosiers and For the Love of the Game with Kevin Costner. True story. Now, who are some of your favorite musical artists? You know what? I'm kind of a country guy now, so probably Jason Aldean. Okay. Now, you've seen a lot of cars in your day, being yep. that you work in the industry. Do you have a favorite make and model? Uh, you know what? It would probably be um, the Volkswagen Touareg, which they don't make anymore, which was a phenomenal car that a lot of people do, um, were not aware of. But that was probably, historically, probably one of my favorites. Now, would you classify that as your dream car? Or do you have another car that is no, your dream? No, probably now would be the Porsche Taycan, which is the electric Porsche they have now. It's a phenomenal vehicle. Um, that would probably be my dream car. Okay. A place to eat in Columbus that you highly recommend? You know what, it's hard to go wrong with probably any Cameron Mitchell restaurant. Um, you know, Ocean Club kind of sticks out. It's kind of close to East and close to here. So that's what I would suggest. Go back to your teams of the 90s. The teammate that you missed the most? You know what, probably by a gentleman by the name of Dan Blueball. Um, I only spent two years with him. We were very, very tight. Um, he left after our sophomore year, and I really wish he would have you know, stayed with us through the four years. That's probably one I, I probably missed the most. Now, here's a teammate that, for better or for worse, you'll never be able to forget, <laughs> and why? Billy Jack Boggs, who was from Southern Ohio, a big offensive lineman, and he was as country as country can be. And, and, and that's a guy that uh, if you ever met Billy Jack, you would never forget him. I could just tell you that. With a name like Billy Jack, that does <laughs> yeah. not surprise yes. me. That is his place yes. of origin. Yes. <laughs> can we organize that? Because just the name alone makes me want to meet him. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I, I would love to see what Billy Jack is, is, is up to nowadays. That, that would be great to see him again. Absolutely. Favorite class that you took at Capital? Uh, would probably be um, something I use a lot. It was probably business stats um, was one class that, that I think that and now I use a lot in, in what I do. How about least favorite course? Least favorite course, um, oh, that's a tough one. Um, probably the uh, economic classes uh, with... Uh, but Dr. Baker were always, uh, always pretty challenging. <laughs> <laughs> now, how about your favorite place on Capitol's campus, either now or then? You know what I, I mentioned? I mentioned the gym, um, which was nice. But as crazy as it sounds, probably the, the dining hall. You know, I have some of the best memories. That was kind of an event. You know, you'd grab everybody from the dorm. You'd grab all your teammates. You'd kind of sit together. Um, you know, it was a nice place to kind of take a break from, from everything, a, a break from academics, a break from athletics, and just kind of hang out and be social. That, that, those are probably the, the, the places, as crazy as it sounds. That's what I would probably say. And last but not least, the best piece of advice that you could give a current or future Capital student? Yeah, I would say enjoy. Enjoy every moment. You know, it goes so fast. Um, you know, just coming back here and, and thinking about it, it just seems like it was a blur. You know, the four years just went so fast. So, so make sure you get involved. Make sure you, you do everything you can and, and, and uh, enjoy the moment. All right, this has been Shane Fouch, class of 1998, and a member of the Capitol football teams of those times. Graduated number one in career catches and graduated number two in all-time receiving yards, yards per catch, and single-season receiving yards. Thanks for sharing with us some of your memories and even some of your advice for those that are listening and considering Capitol. And again, if anybody's interested in a car, we got a guy, Shane Fouch of Buyers Import and Buyers Airport Subaru. Thanks so much, Ryan. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks, everyone. All right, thanks for tuning in, and we're going to keep on moving along in this episode of Forward Capital Crusaders.
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. We'd like to thank our guests today, Dixie Jeffers, Coach Jason Sturgill of Capital Baseball, and football alumnus from the class of 1998, Shane Fouch. If you would like to listen to any of our past episodes, hit up our website, athletics.capital.edu, or find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast, and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. We'll be back on Tuesday, December 8th, when we receive another AD update, catch up with another Capital Football alumnus from the 2000s, and get inside the locker room as we inch ever closer to the upcoming basketball season. Get up to the minute information by following Cap Athletics on social media too. We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Cap Crusaders and on Facebook if you search Capital University Athletics. Wash your hands, maintain your distance, keep your group small, and wear your mask. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Cap Fam, let's keep moving forward. I'm Ryan Gasser. Be safe, everyone. <laughs>